have a sea of voices. We are an ocean of your grace, yes. And we're gathered under one name. Oh, we're a tide that's rising, and we cannot be worship you with all our hearts.
Thank you that you have saved us, bought us by your blood, God. God, that you are God that conquered the grave. Come on, let's just lift our hands to him and just give praise to him tonight. How good he is to us. What he's done for us. Maybe something personal that you want to thank him for tonight. But, you know, we can thank him for just giving his, his life. Amen and the grace that it covers our lives. Sing that again tonight. Amazing grace, oh, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Yes, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. My chains are gone, I've been set free, my God, my Savior has ransomed me, and like a flood, His mercy reigns, unending love, amazing grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears believed oh how precious did that grace appear the hour I first
good to me. His word, my hope, secure. He will my shield and portion. classes will meet on April 9th at 9 a.m. in the loft and uh, they will continue the indestructible marriage series and uh, the uh, it's uh, the topic will be affair proofing your marriage and part two uh, child care is available in the welcome in the volunteer center I'm sorry and free coffee wow and pastries will be whoa hey so bring all the policemen you know. Hallelujah. And uh, then home groups will meet on Sunday, April the 9th, in the evening, and you will find times and locations on the back of the bulletin, at or you can go to obmcc.org. And then uh, Easter lineup, uh, Good Friday is going to be something very special, something we've never done before. I think you'll enjoy it. That's April the 14th at 6.30 p.m., and uh, through song and scripture and reflection from characters that were in the crucifixion story. And uh, I think that you'll be blessed by that. And then Easter Sunday morning, of course, is sunrise service. We declare sunrise at 7 o'clock a.m., and it's going to be a communion miracle service. 
and then in between that and the 10 a.m. service will be a free breakfast from Panera Bread in the foyer. And uh, so bring a friend, it's gonna be a great time. And let me see if all of those that you would like to get involved in one of the outreaches, you may sign up out at the Welcome Center. And this summer is going to be a busy summer, so please let's get behind it and get with it. Amen? Let's go to the screens and see what's coming up. here and I'm excited to tell you guys about March 26th from 1 to 4 p.m. right after the service. We're going to have a seminar about kayak fishing. We're going to have local pros coming in talking about their tips, tricks, and techniques and we're going to have them bring their kayaks right into the sanctuary. After some short instruction, we're going to take the kayaks out to the pond, have a good time and fellowship together. I hope to see you guys there. Join us for our Good Friday service on April 14th at 6.30 p.m., our Sunrise Communion Miracle service on April 16th at 7 a.m., and our Easter Celebration service on April 16th at 10 a.m. During these services, we will be reflecting on the crucifixion and celebrating the resurrection of our Lord through song, scripture, and prayer. We can't wait to see you there. Amen, that's right. Where's Ben Schwartz? Ben, are you here? Hey, come on down here, Ben. Give us a little more insight into dream on and uh that happens this coming saturday this right? saturday yes and uh, it starts at 10 o'clock 10 a.m 10 a.m yes. in the morning and the charge of that is it is uh 15 up till friday if you show up at the door and you try to buy all day tickets it's 25 and there is a lunch that's involved in lunch that. and dinner yeah good we night. just this past couple weeks we decided that we would uh, feed everyone dinner as well so for lunch, uh, like I said earlier, it would be Arby's. It would actually be their market fresh sandwiches. If you've ever had those, really good, nice, big sandwiches. And dinner will be pizza, so hopefully you like pizza. Okay, so yeah. you're going to deliver mine out at the house. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, yeah. good deal. Yeah, All right, so, there, but, yeah. uh, and that's at 10 o'clock, so it's $15 up till then. Yes. And uh, it's, it's not just about uh, you discovering your purpose which people need to discover. Absolutely. The and you're never Absolutely. too old. Absolutely. Uh, Abraham never discovered his until he uh, was uh, 100 years old. But also you will become empowered with information to help other people Absolutely. to minister to them. Paul said, look, I was comforted with the comfort of God in my tribulation so that I could comfort others. Absolutely. So it's not always about ourselves. Absolutely. It's about learning about how to minister to others and spark others and whether you've got young kids, grandkids, you're going to someday have to direct them into their purpose. Absolutely. And another big thing that we're talking about is re-sparking your dreams. A lot of, a lot of us let life creep in a yeah. lot of times and we step away from our purpose and our dreams that God really placed in our heart. Um, but that's, that's not what God wants us to do. And so Matt Hammett from uh, Sanctus Real is going to be the one talking about that. And I spoke to him this week and he's really excited. Uh, he really feels God's given him a word, and uh, I just really believe you'll be impacted this weekend. And if you can't come during the day, uh, Derek Johnson from Jesus Culture, his concert at 7 p.m. is absolutely free. Uh, you just need to register on our website so we know you're coming. Yeah, and it uh, doesn't matter what the age, you, you're going to enjoy worship and, and getting absolutely. involved in that concert, and that's absolutely free. That absolutely. starts at 7. 7 p.m. Right, so yes. uh, you bring friends and yeah, come out and be many. a part of we, that. We, we can fill the whole house. So. Yeah, amen, yeah. hallelujah. Absolutely. And uh, so it's important that people get involved, but not just get involved. Really, like you said, resurrect or re-spark what they've got. Nothing, Absolutely. too many times when we get in dry places and hard places, 
we're like them old Westerners, you know, they start out with pianos and everything before they get to the other end. They're just glad to have their kids still alive with them. But they threw everything off on the way to the wilderness. Yep. And yep. Uh, so we need yep. to respark. And we're never too old. Absolutely. You know, Lester Summerall never started his ministry in America till the age of 50. And, uh, you know, he helped change a nation and was one of the great men of Absolutely. our generation. But he never started till 50. So it's never too late Absolutely. to get started. And uh, so we do encourage you to come out and be a part of that. And uh, you'll be blessed. And uh, you know, look, where can you buy two meals for 25 bucks? You get them now, that's $7.50 a piece. Man, that, that's like cheap. Absolutely. Absolutely. Amen. And Pastor Daniel will be there. He'll be leading one of our main sessions. Yep. And, and talking uh, about how anything is possible. And then uh, David Norris. Pastor coming. David Norris. David texted me while here. I was in Ghana and told me he was going to be coming. And, Absolutely. Uh, all that kind of stuff. So some yep. great guys are coming to preach. Yes. And uh, so it's going to be great. Absolutely. Hallelujah. All righty. Get behind that guy and uh, guys. And I know you'll be blessed by it. All right. Hey, we're going to receive our tithing offering. And if you need a tithing offering envelope, raise your hand up real high. One of these guys will help you. You know, as you give, it's going to be given back to you. I think that there are great frontiers. You know, we're always talking about the dynamics of uh, social media how fast that knowledge is happening and you know as soon as you get one thing uh, you know something new is going to be coming like uh, you know everybody's got used to dish and uh, what is uh, it's dish and what's the other ones that free TV or whatever well now they're going to change this year 2017 is a year of change for TV you're going to be able to go on and you're probably going to be getting TV instead of paying $100 a month. You'll be able to get it for like $40 or $50 a month. And uh, instead of 250 ch channels, you'll only be able to have about 180. But, you know, things are constantly coming alive and constantly being renewed. But one of the frontiers that the body of Christ and no believer has ever tapped in, and it doesn't really matter who they are or how much they think they have, They've never tapped into God's provision. And uh, the trickles that we get and call provision are just fragments of what faith can do. And giving is a frontier that the body of Christ needs to lay hold of and needs to conquer. And so as you give tonight, that is one of the ways that you do it. You need to begin to exercise your faith. And, of course, there's always going to be the great number of the body of Christ that are observers and hearers and never participators. But I would encourage you that you begin to rise up and realize that God wants to do something in our generation. And he wants to do it, and it's bigger than we can finance, and it's bigger than we can really comprehend. Now, God wants to do that. And so in order to be partakers of that, we need to be givers. The Bible says, as a man gives, then that's what he receives. If he gives much, he reaps much. If he gives little, he reaps little. I know some people would say, well, what's the significance of reaping and what's the significance of sowing and why? Well, because the world needs to be saved. Amen. Now, the Bible says that we've become enabled and empowered by God that we may abound unto every good work. That is significant, every good work. There are millions of good works, and we need to be actively involved in pursuing as many as we possibly can. And giving is not just about you getting and receiving. That's the low key of existence is you getting what you want. That's the basic carnality, as it were, the primitive attitude of a child of God. But... The other attitude is the God attitude that we get to give because it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Amen. And we are givers because it's our nature as much as faith is our nature and as much as uh, love is our nature. Giving is a part of our nature, not only our lives, but resources. And so we want to be not only givers, but we want to be receivers so that we can be enabled to do more than we've ever done. I can't wait to have about 500 Bill Gates in the body of Christ. Now, we should never be comfortable with one Bill Gates in the world that are financing things that are worthy, worthy components to reaching the need of mankind. But wouldn't it be great if we had 500 Bill Gates 
that did not have to create computers but had an element of faith that allowed God to bless and to prosper them. That would be God's plan. I wouldn't even stop at 500. And I know that sounds like a lot of numbers. You say, well, man, how many could we have? How about everybody? Yeah, everybody needs to be a Bill Gates. That would be great. And uh, that way we could eradicate. We could go into nations and we could transform nations, not just a few houses. We could transform nations. Amen? And uh, so as you give tonight, begin to give with an attitude of receiving. You know, the Bible says that thank God that your love for Paul or a ministry abounded at this time. But then Paul says, but my God shall meet all of your needs according to your riches in, his riches in glory. In other words, giving is not a stopping point. Giving and receiving is God's plan for our life. So we want to make sure that we're always on the receiving end so that we can always be on the giving end. Amen. And then for tithers. As we tithe tonight, we open up the windows of heaven and we touch generations to come. Multiple generations to follow us are touched by our faithfulness. And so as we give and tithe tonight, we understand this is part of our stewardship. It is the basic reasonable service of everybody that serves God. But I think it's time that we rise up and really become aggressive about giving, just like we are about preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to be aggressive, and we need to not just aggressively give, but be aggressive in receiving. Amen. All right. So let's pray right now and just believe God for you and keep your faith alive in it. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come together tonight. We, God, know that, Father, you have called men and women to live by faith. One of the attributes of our faith, God, is that we believe in the life principles that when acted upon reveal Christ in our life. God, our giving tonight will enable us to be multiplied with a harvest that we may abound unto every good work. Our tithing, God, will come up on our generation and our generation's generation. God, we thank you tonight that our act of giving and tithing releases your hand, God, to fulfill what you have for our life in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Stand your feet and bring your tithe and offering unto the Lord. Bibles tonight to Genesis 22.1. Tonight I want to talk about what's the difference and the cause. Things don't come unless there's a cause. The Bible says in Proverbs that the curse will not come without a cause. In other words, there's a reason behind things that happen in our life. And tonight we're going to talk about the difference between being tempted and I'll, now listen to what I'm saying to you. Listen with your whole brain. Don't go brain dead and get, just, just don't. Being tempted of God and tempted of the devil. Now first thing, well, well God don't tempt people. Just, I, okay, don't go brain dead yet. Well, well you know, I knew God tempted me. Don't go brain dead yet. I know you're wise, but let's pretend you're not for a moment. And let's just look at what the Bible says about what we're going to talk about. What is the difference, and why does God bring them in our life? In Genesis 22, it's talking about Abraham, the father of faith, God's eternal friend. 
And it came to pass that after these things, after the birth of Isaac and the separation of Ishmael and so forth, that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. Next verse. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Now, this Moriah uh, mountain, uh, just it is a mountain area. And this is the same mountain that is believed that Jesus was crucified on, and a part of that mount is the Dome of the Rock that is beside the Wailing Wall uh, in Jerusalem, and which is not even mentioned in the Bible, but thousands and hundreds of thousands of people go there every year and put their prayer requests in the wall, and the Wailing Wall is not even in the Bible. It is a traditional place of man, and it's kind of like, you know, everybody used to say, oh, they found the foundation stones of Solomon's temple. When they rebuild the temple, Solomon's temple is never going to be rebuilt. It doesn't have to rebuild. It's not David's tabernacle. It was Solomon's tabernacle. David's tabernacle is skins. But everybody thinks that it's going to happen, and they're just figments of ignorance. And so, the Dome of the Rock and it says, take now thine son, whom thou lovest, to the land of Moriah, and offer him there and burn him up on one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Next verse. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of the young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went into the place which God had told him. Now, did God tempt Abraham? Did God tempt Abraham? Yes. We, you can't deny scriptures. And uh, so, but let's see what it doesn't say. And let's, to find that, let's go to James 1. 12. James chapter 1 and verse 12. Remember, we're talking about uh, temptation. What's the difference of when God tempts a man and when man is tempted of evil? Blessed is a man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Now, keep right back there. Blessed is a man that endureth, goes through, or successfully weathers, keeps his faith intact. For when he is tried. And then next verse. Let no man, let no man say, when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. Was Abraham tempted of God? Yes. But let no man say that when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. Now, what's the classification? God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. Go on. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth what? Death. Now, there are two types of temptation. One is of an evil nature. The other is of the nature of good. Now, they both have different outcomes. One is to bring forth sin in order to have Satan gain supremacy over man because 
of his breaking of fellowship with God. We see that in Genesis, the third chapter, where the devil tempted Adam and Eve when God said, you can eat of every tree, but don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The devil tempted them, perverted what God had said, and he tempted them, and they fell into what? The lust of the flesh. It says, and when they saw, Eve saw that it was good to be eaten, that was the lust of the flesh. She broke the commandment of God. She sinned, and she died. She died two ways. She died spiritually, separated from God, and she died eventually physically. So here we see that there are two types of temptation. One comes from God. The other comes from the devil. Now, the problem with Christians is they do not decipher the difference between the two. But all you have to do is basically look at the outcome if you followed one through. Remember, the characteristic of the temptation of the devil is death, is death. Now, something to make it real easy is if God says in his word, thou shalt not, or do not, or forbid, or stay away from, or do not become involved in, then those are areas that you are never to cross and go into no matter what voice you think you're hearing. Because a breaking of commandment, 1 John, the fourth chapter, all sin is transgression of the law. If you break the law, you die. Could I get an amen? Well, that's just God controlling me. No, that's God protecting you. Because whether God said it or not, it's still sin. The only thing that the law does is reveal to you what sin is. But it's sin whether you do it or not. Before God says it, it's still sin. Amen. Amen. All right. So the law was added because of transgression, Galatians 3, 16 down through 21. It was added to prove to man or to show man what sin was. Now, there is the temptation that leads to sin, and that's when men are enticed to the lust of the flesh. That's what the devil uses, and that is the result of a disobedient act. Go to Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. Ephesians 2, 1, down through verse 3, I think it is. And it says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. Notice, Trespasses and sin produced death. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of what? Disobedience. All sin is disobedience. Disobedience is sin. Uh, among whom also we had our conversation in the time in times past, in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Now, what does that mean? That means that the devil will use the lust of the flesh, the desires of the mind. He will use those things in order to get you to want to do what God said not to do. That's a spirit of disobedience. It's real simple. And let me say this. We have the scriptures, but if God tells you to do something, or God has anointed you to do something, or God has given you a talent to use and you aren't doing it, that's as much disobedience as committing fornication with the storekeeper down the road. Amen. Disobedience is disobedience. Sin is sin. So we understand that this leads to death. Somebody say death. It works in the children of disobedience. It should never be named among the children of righteousness. 
It's not your nature. What is temptation? Temptation is simply an attempt to entice you to go back and do what you used to do. It is not of the new nature. It's not in your nature to disobey God. You have to be disobedient. You have to be stirred. You have to be lured into it. Because when you're in your right mind, nobody wants to be separated from God. Only someone that has been so uh, enticed or oppressed by a spirit of disobedience that they've lost the mind of God. Why does a man want to die? Well, well, well it feels so good. <laughs> right. No, sin may be pleasurable for a season, but let me tell you something. Seasons end, and paydays come. Amen. Amen. So we see that there is a temptation that man has to be aware of, and that God doesn't tem- cannot be tempted with evil, and he doesn't use evil to tempt man. He doesn't do it. Why? Because evil temptation has, at the end of it, death. That's the purpose of sin. Don't even think that you're going to uh, get under the lie that the devil fed to Eve. Oh, you won't die. You'll be like God. You're not going to be like God. Your birthright as a believer makes you like God, but not your sin. Amen. All right. Now, let's go back to Genesis 22.1. Hallelujah. And it says, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. Well, then, if God tempts Abraham and God doesn't tempt with evil, this cannot be an evil temptation. Amen? Can't be. Now, the word uh, temptation in both areas means this. It means to test. It means to prove. It means to try. It means to cause or demand proof of something. It means to get a place where someone understands the clear motive of another. It means to have a clear opinion established. In other words, we hear these things. Well, God knows everything. And I believe that God is an all-knowing God. But I don't think that God chooses. Now, I say, I, I say this because most people don't understand. They've been so brainwashed over the years that since God knows everything, let's just say that God limits himself to what he does allow himself to know. In other words, if God knew who was going to be saved and who wasn't going to be saved, it would be an act without mercy to have somebody be born and God know that they were not going to heaven. You understand that? Because God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So how could God fight or override his own will? Well, he couldn't. Every kingdom divided against itself will not stand. Every kingdom divided will fall, right? So if God opposed his own will, he would sign his own end. So God does not oppose his own will. So, does God know everything? He doesn't know the choice you're going to make. And if he did, every time he put something in the scripture that you read and didn't do, he knew he'd be committing you to a life of sin. Would he do that? No. God's not about trying to get you to sin. Amen? Amen? Now, so God not or is all-knowing but chooses to limit the boundaries of what he opens himself up to know about man David and I'm saying this the way that you understand it not the way I think about it myself 
But because of counselors, I call and get their insight. They said, Peter, oh, God, I'd never say that. I would never say that God didn't know everything. I said, well, does he know my choice? Well, uh, we just wouldn't say that to you, Peter. I say, in other words, you're gutless. Well, you, you know, you don't want to make people mad by the truth. I said, the truth in itself makes people mad. It makes the atheist mad. It makes the lukewarm mad. It makes the backslider mad. It makes the compromising mad. It makes the hypocrite mad. Come on, hallelujah. And so, does God know every decision that man's going to make? No, absolutely not. If he did, he would be condemning people without any hope. Well, God just knows they're not going to. Listen, when you know that somebody's not going to, that is hopelessness. And the gospel is a gospel of hope. Could it get an amen? Absolutely. All right, so we understand that God puts Abraham to the test. Why is God putting Abraham to the test? I thought he knew everything. Well, he doesn't know if Abraham will or if he won't. See, now let, let me get down to the nitty-gritty. God leads us into areas of life in order to find out how much and what we are committed to. Anybody can say they love God. But you really don't love God until the pressure is on. You don't love God until the fire is turned up. Could again get an amen? Amen. Faith is not faith until it's tried by fire. Amen. Anybody can have faith. I, I remember when I first got saved, people would say, well, God meets all of our needs, and people would get unemployed. They'd say, well, they just need to believe God. I said, you know what? Why don't you just give them your paycheck, and you believe God. You got so much overrunning on you, bro. Well, that never happened because they were more faithless than the ones they were condemning. They had faith in their job. They had faith in the check that came. But they did not have faith that, well, God was going to provide for that check if they didn't have a job. <clears throat> so faith is real. Don't, don't talk about faith until you've walked a mile in another man's shoes. Amen. You know, I've heard people say, well, you know, if they'd had faith, they'd have been saved. Let me tell you something. You live with cancer five or six years in excruciating pain 24 hours a day, and your confession is still, by his stripes I'm healed, I'd say that you probably have faith. Most people that die of terminal diseases under excruciating pain and agony have more faith than 90% of the people that will live their life to its end without it. Did you hear me? Absolutely. You've never been sick. You know what faith and healing is. Your faith in healing will be tested when they come out and say, you got six months to live, get your house in order. Now we get to see if you have faith in healing. Amen? People preach on healing, then they go to the dentist. What's that all about? They got faith for the neck, neck down? No, 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 no. Listen to me. You don't want to criticize people that you have no idea what they're facing and what they're going through. And so, people, faith is not faith until it's under attack. You really can't walk in love until you've been confronted with hate in somebody's life. You can't be confronted with compassion and understanding until you live around somebody that makes you so miserable you wish to God you'd never met him. Yeah, absolutely. See, it's, don't think it's strange concerning fiery trials that are come to test your faith, to test your love, to test your joy. You know, everybody can be happy when everything's going great. I was happily married for the first two weeks. Then things went wrong. She didn't want to do her part. Clean, wash the car, take care of me. Bake. She didn't want to do those things. I thought, what is your problem? She wanted liberated. I thought, feminist my foot. Hallelujah. You know what? A lot of what we call faith isn't even faith at all. Because it's never been tried. 
And it's never been to the place that we have shed blood. And we've never had our life threatened and our families threatened. And we've never sat 10 years in a prison barely getting by on crumbs and water from dirty cisterns. So, listen, we, we know very little bit about faith. Our faith is, <laughs> I didn't get that new car. That's not faith. That's greed. Listen, we use our faith that God meets our needs. But we really don't understand faith until it's been through the fire. Amen. That's when you discover if you have faith or not. You have love when you have been confronted with lovelessness. Amen? Amen? That's why so many people say they're in love, and two years later they're getting a divorce. What is that all about? You weren't in love at all. Soon as love came under fire, you caved. So really, the only love that was involved was lovers of self. God, I should be preaching this to the Baptist. They'd be shouting. They would be bringing offerings to the altar. Now, so none of this. So when God says, I'm tempting Abraham, does God know what Abraham's going to do? No. God's trying to find out what's in his heart. So how does he do it? He gives Abraham a challenge. He wants to find out if Abraham is the man of faith and devoted as he says he is. And so God tempts Abraham. I want you to take your son whom you love. I want you to take him up and I want you to take him to a mountain and I want you to set him on fire and I want you to drive a knife into his heart and then I want you to burn him to show your love for me. No problem. Absolutely going to do it. Heads up there. Doesn't doubt it. Isaac has had faith put in his heart. And he climbs up on the wood. He's ready to give his life. Abraham draws back the knife, ready to thrust it into his chest. And the angel says, Abraham, don't do that. God now sees that you believe. Has faith in our life ever really been tested? I don't know. I don't know. So, here, God is finding out what's in Abraham. Why? So that God can fulfill his covenant to Abraham. He also, when he leads us into places of temptation, David, testing. Remember, God's not testing you with evil. He's not trying to get you to sin. He's not trying to do anything. He wants to find out, David, will you do what I ask you to do? Will you sacrifice all? Will you love me more than you love anything else? And will you just do what I say? Now, I understand that when you get out there, that the devil is going to come. And he's going to try to make this all about the lust of the flesh, the desires of your mind, And the lust of your eyes. And he's going to come, David. And he's going to tempt you in those three ways. But I want you to just stay the course, David. Don't get distracted over into that. Because if you do, you'll forget the purpose I called you into. Now, when I take you over there, David, I'm going to be looking at your heart. And when all of these other things are going to be coming against you, when things that may set you up for failure... Come, David, I'm going to allow them to be seen. Because in this time of when I'm testing you, seeing what's in your heart, the enemy is going to try to find your weakness to get you to sin. But if you see those weaknesses and deal with them right there in the midst of this battlefield, David, I'm telling you that you will be more prepared for promotion than you have ever been. And since you have been faithful or faith-filled, diligent, consistent, staying the course over little things, I'll take that foundation and I'll make you ruler over much. 
because you won't be a novice now. Quickly overthrown, you are becoming skillful in the word of righteousness. And the reason I'm taking you over here, David, is because I want to see what you can withstand when I ask you to do something, just how far can you go? How much control do you have? How much faith do you set in motion? How much do you stay faithful to your daily diligence and commitment to me? How much are you really pursuing what I want and not taking opportunity to get what you want? And as we walk through there, David, I'm going to see and I'm going to say, David is proven. David was faithful in this. Why can't we trust him with that? And maybe someday I'll make the proclamation, have you considered my servant David? Now, when I test you, David, there's no sin in my testing. All you have to do at any time is withdraw. Then I understand this is as far as David can go. He's where he's at. Remember, there's 20-fold, 30-fold, 40-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold Christian. And whatever place that you want to land, David, I'll keep you right where you land. I won't put any pressure on you to break. I won't put any pressure on you to be disobedient. I won't put any pressure on you to fail in faith. I won't put any pressure on you not to love, David, because if I see those things weakening, then I'm going to draw you back from the test. And I'll have already discovered what's in your heart. I'll already have discovered the level of faith that you're willing to walk in. I'll have already discovered the level of love that you're willing to walk in. I'll see how much you're devoted to me and how much you are your own provider. And David, I'll love you through all of that. But what I won't do is destroy you. Now, when I have you there, the devil's going to come. He may condemn you for not doing what I asked you to do, but David, I love you. And you know what? This thing is not going to separate you from me. I just understand this is where David is. Now, I will use David in 20% commitment level. I may use him in 40% commitment level or 60%. But I'm not trying to tempt David with sin. The devil will come, and he will try to tempt him Find his weaknesses and try to get him to then transgress and produce death. David will become separated from me. The devil will use even the place where David has landed in his shortcoming or in his 20% level. He'll try to condemn him. And he'll try to get him to be ashamed of something that I just, David, there's nothing to be ashamed about. I just understand. I'm going to protect you at anything above 20% level. That's it. I love you, David. But I'm not going to give you any more than you can handle. Could I get an amen? All right. So that's what God does with Abraham. He takes him and he tests him. He wants to find out what's in his heart. God is proving or he challenges us or he wants to find out What is your opinion of me? Am I really the faithful God that you can depend on? Am I really the God that can overcome? What do you see me as? I'm going to find this out when I put you over here in the simple things of life. Do you love me more than anybody else? It's not a requirement, David, that God hasn't asked. He said, you got to love me above mother and father, homes, lands, everything. Love me with all your heart, your mind, your soul. Not like God's asking Abraham of anything that he hasn't required of the believer. Right? Could I get an amen? He's not doing anything to to Abraham that he hasn't done to you and I. We just see this in living color. But to us, it's still written in the scriptures. And so, God does call us, tell us to go do things knowing we're going to run into the devil, but he does it to see if we will be obedient. God wants to find out what our opinion is. God can see me through this, what my, uh, his, uh, our opinion of him is. Can I trust God? Can I depend on God? Am I willing to sacrifice all for God? You say, oh, God knows that. Does he? Yeah. 
Jesus said, why do you call me Lord and don't do those things that I asked you? Why does Jesus ask somebody to do something when they said they're Lord? Because you can worship God with your lips and your heart be far from him. Amen. Is that true? Absolutely. God, when he takes you out and puts you in an, an arena of testing, is not to make you sin, David. It's to find out, can you be promoted? So, we're going to discover that, follow this through next week, some of this. All right. So, all right. Here's what I want you to do. It is 8.09. I want you to get in groups for about five or six minutes, and I want you to pray one for another. Try to find somebody you don't know instead of the same old, same old people that you know that they got the same old, same old. And uh, let somebody else's faith attack their same old, same old. So if you got to get up and move, go find those people. And for about five, ten minutes, we're going to pray one for another. And then I'm going to have you do something else. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm.